This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 66 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have two sets of people that um, made the interesting transition from a very traditional world in horsemanship, one in South Africa and the other in England, to moving away to a more natural way with their horses. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, Debbie. I'm so glad to have you today because I wanted to catch up with you about Nigel. We haven't talked about him just in the last few weeks, and I know those first few weeks of having a, a new horse like that, there's a lot of new stuff going on, you guys, as you learned all your little nuances about each other, huh? It's kind of a big adventure when you first get them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I only went and test rode him for, you know, half an hour and then put him on my trailer and brought him home. So it wasn't <laughs> one of those things where I vetted him out a whole lot. It's like, oh yeah, he's cool. Bring him home. <laughs> you know horses by now. Well, you know. I was willing to take a chance. He was kind of a cool guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to know him a little bit. And one of the things I discovered about Nigel early on mm-hmm. is Nigel doesn't like to get caught. Oh. In the field. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, back in the day when I was a little kid, that was just normal. Hor- some horses were hard to catch and you just chased them around till you caught them. Right? <laughs> of course you did. You just chased yeah. them around or you brought all the other horses in and then they got lonesome and came in or you opened the gate and let them run by themselves. Right. Or you put a big long rope tied to a tire, you know, all these crazy things. And in my new and enlightened state, now that I'm of a certain age. I love I, it that you're enlightened. That's great. I'm enlightened. Yeah. I decided, you know, I can fix this. Okay. Uh, Nigel can, Nigel and I can come to an agreement in that he trusts that I'm an awesome person and he should hang out with me. Yeah. Right? So I've been using my rudimentary knowledge of the language of Equus. Okay. And one of the things that Glenn and I got in the habit of doing months and months ago is, you know how the horses always crowd the gate when it's time to come in for a meal? Food. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be at the gate first. Um, yeah. Well, a while back, I made the decision that despite the fact that they were crowding at the gate, that's not where you get caught. You uh-huh. go into the pasture and you walk out in towards the middle of the pasture. Brilliant. And the horse has to come to you. Brilliant. And Scooter being such a food motivated little booger, he, he does <laughs> like to get caught. He just goes out in the middle of the field and says, here, catch me. Yeah, here I am. He just does. It. Uh, <laughs> Nigel, not so much. So I've been using my language to ask him to move away from the gate, away from me, because I'm standing at the gate. And he does that reluctantly at first. He's like, wait a minute. I don't want to leave the gate. That's where I want to be because that's where I get to get food. (laughs) The barn's over there. What are you doing? Yeah. And what I found was so very, very interesting. When I successfully pushed him away from me, Mm -hmm. um, when I got my timing right and I used my language of Equus by turning away. Good. Inviting him to follow me, he okay. would follow me a couple of steps. Good. Yay! Now, at first, <laughs> it was a couple of steps in the general area of the gate, but very quickly, within just a few days, he will actually follow me in towards the center of the pasture further. Away from the gate. Away Excellent. from the gate and away from the other pony. 
That's hot. That's, That's big really because good. he, he, he mm-hmm. likes Scooter despite the fact that Scooter doesn't like him so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he will follow me and say, hey, you're cool to be with. And his expression on his face is oh. very different than it was just a month ago when I first got him. He's listening and he's, looking to you? Yes, he's listening. He's actually looking at me for cues. He's going, okay, yeah. what's next? Which is cool. I get little Really good. Aww. <laughs> Yeah, I am right now just thinking about it, too, because I could just see his eyes as soon as you said that. Oh, yes, that's his, cool. His, his body language has changed as mine has changed. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. actually looking to me going, okay, I'm, I'm watching. I'm, I want to find out what you want me to do. And mm-hmm. It's really kind of cool. So I'm using that. I want to put it on a T-shirt. Let your horse catch you. I'm, I'm right. using that. And it's really done a lot to build our relationship so that we have a relationship versus, okay, you're a human you know, there you are. Right. Right. Oh, I'm so proud of you. That's really cool. Cause a lot of people will say, oh yeah, I get that. That's like he who controls the feet. And that, then that sounds a little bit more like on the demanding side. And I, I agree with that, but it doesn't have to be a demand. It's always a request. I mean, you're, you're not going to demand much of a thousand pound horse (laughs) or even Nigel who's bigger, but, um, but that, that cooperation, that understanding is, it sounds like you nailed it. That's awesome. It's great. And he's become lighter and more reactive mm-hmm. because he has that he has that slow to react personality mm-hmm. he it's mm-hmm. not that he doesn't understand what you're asking he has to process it and then mm-hmm. react to it and mm-hmm. without any increase in pressure he has become lighter and more reactive understanding oh that's so great jen so it's Good really job. pretty cool i'm very proud of myself and i have to look this up. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and you've created a great partner. I mean, yes. aren't you guys going to have fun together? Now, how are his feet? His last time we talked to you, they were pretty big. They're giant feet, which is going to yeah. take time to get under control. Okay. Um, he lived in very wet conditions. The pasture he lived in was low ground, so it spent a lot of time wet. So mm-hmm. his feet got kind of pancakey. Um, but we have him on a good quality hoof supplement and good okay. quality diet. And I'm using my my very favorite hoof conditioner just because it makes me feel better, not because I have any scientific evidence <laughs> that it works. And we've got his, fin- okay. his feet trimmed twice since we got him. All right. And I th- I think we're going to make good progress. It takes a year to grow a whole new foot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at, at least now that we have two trims, the really, really bad cracks and chips and things have dissipated mm-hmm. because that was the worst okay. of the foot that was closest to the ground. Mm-hmm. And how about your foot? How's your foot doing? Well, not quite as good. <laughs> yeah. Can't, can't put all those supplements on it yourself? No. no I, need to, I need to find myself a good pinky toe supplement. Yeah. <laughs> Poor thing. Oh, that's take a long time too, especially at our age, right? Yeah. The, the toes take a long time. Yeah. And I think uh, walking around Rolex for three days. Oh, that's might right. Set me back a little bit. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> oh, my it was worth gosh. It. it was way worth it. Good. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Well, Nigel forgives you. It's yes, all right. He does. <laughs> all right. Well, good. Okay. Now that I got the Nigel update, I, I'm going to share a little bit about the, our show today. It's just oh, going to be amazing. Do. You're going to so have exciting. so much fun because one of them I got to do and I didn't have you on, which always makes me nervous, but it's the Natural Rider Horse Project. And I, I can't wait for you to hear about this little girl all the way over in Hungary. You're just, I mean, talk about goosebumps. She'll give them to you. She's amazing. So that's that's coming up before IFA.com's message. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate, He's a Sugar Bear. <laughs> 
You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios, risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an Index Fund Advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Aaron Hollick is a South African native who, as an adult, had the opportunity to travel far and wide within Mongolia and other Asian and Latin American countries with highly developed equestrian cultures, where often the only way to commute besides walking, walking was on horseback. After his university studies and three years of working in the corporate marketing, he founded his own company offering business management services. And in a few years, he sold everything, married, and went on an open-end sabbatical with his wife to Latin America. After experiencing a different lifestyle, they decided to keep on traveling, focusing on volunteering and participating in environmental and social projects wherever they could. Their three children were born along the way in different countries. They experienced an alternative way of writing, one that is free in style, lacked written rules and judging eyes, and it was a contradiction to the one that he had carried with him since childhood. Well, welcome. We have a group of people here all the way from Hungary who stayed up late for us uh, to listen to the Natural Rider Project story. It's an amazing story, and it was told to me first by Anna, who is a certified instructor for Monty Roberts and has uh, she's been graduated now for a couple of years. Is that right, Anna? Uh, yes, yeah, since 2012. Yeah, 2012. Yeah, so you're, you're old hat at this. And you have found a partner in Sabi, uh, who we've introduced. And uh, Sabi, let's, say, let's hear a hello from you. Hey, everybody. I'm glad to have you on here, both of you. As, I mean, you're a part of an amazing elite group. The certified instructors for Monty Roberts are worldwide, but it's a very elite group in that I don't think there's maybe 70, 75 of you around the world right now. And two of, well, how many are in Hungary right now teaching? Uh, there's now, with me, I moved here a month ago, so there's five of us. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. So, yeah, small group. Yeah, small group, but really a pretty good percentage of the Monty Roberts instructors worldwide. And there's a reason. Hungary is a very horse-centric country, um, in my opinion. And uh, we've seen a lot of good horsemen come from that country and a lot of good horsemen stay in that country. So I can see why the, the world is beating a path to their door. But uh, And then we also have a special, special group on the line with us today, too. We've got Aaron and Baker Halleck. Am I saying your name correctly? Yes, hello there. Hello, and hello, Becca. Is she waving? She says hello, <laughs> smiling. Thank you, smiling. Well, you all have a special story, and I would like if Anna could give us a first little peek at what the story was about that made it so special to us. 
Yeah, well, I met Aaron. It was, it must have been actually a year ago, almost exactly, when I came out to Hungary um, just to visit Sabi because we met, um, you know, back in America. And I fell in love with the country instantly. Like you said, it's very horse orientated. Um, but I think especially the group that he's a part of, um, it is going back to that natural way of life and with the horses. And um, that's the thing that interests me the most with what they're all trying to achieve. And especially seeing Aaron and Baker, who is now five, mm. um, you know, hearing their story and what they're doing, which they'll tell you more about in a moment, is um, it just it really played in with what we're trying to achieve um, with the horses. Um, I mean, uh, he does it even more in a way than we do in the sense is they I've I have I'm yet to see them ride with a saddle or shoes on or anything wow. <laughs> how they do it I don't know um for you know many many hours and days um but it's pretty amazing and Aaron you know just speaking a little bit with him um he talked about how growing up looking at the industry you know, in general, and obviously the riding industry, how it's drilled into children, you know, you must do this, you must sit this way, you must have your heels down. Mm -hmm. um, and really losing that passion for the children and the reason of why they're doing it, mm. which ties in nicely with us is the way we train the horses, we want to have the horse want to do it and create that willingness. Um, you know, we're always saying, adrenaline up learning down mm -hmm. um, adrenaline down learning up and it's the same with the kids which Aaron has spent you know many years now with raising his kids and when he's around the horses of really focusing on the concepts that we you know we teach day to day mm -hmm. um, so it really for me as soon as I met them I thought wow uh, you know this is something special mm. and you'll hear more about their story and what they've achieved um which I find pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it is. I mean, it's thrilling just to think that a, a little girl of age four, I guess at the time, rode 175 miles or so, 280 kilometers um, across uh, open plain. Um, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Please, Erin. Yeah, well, um, her first uh, log ride was uh, actually a year before that, when she was still three. Oh, gosh. And um, we rode we rode about a hundred kilometers um, from another place to the same uh, festival, which is held annually in Hungary. It's a big gathering of uh, all uh, horse people or um, everyone related to horse riding and horse keeping. And um, we were staying at a friend at that time, and he had some horses, and we came up with the idea that why don't we uh, ride over to this festival? Mm -hmm. And um, Baker was already riding at that time, but um, we decided to uh, keep it safe and uh, take a horse-drawn buggy or cart with us. Uh, so basically, the whole family could go. Awesome. The the he's uh, or her her small brother. Uh, he was one uh, year old at that time, uh, and mom was riding on the cart, and then uh, she, with uh, some other older friends, uh, rode uh, on the horses. 
That's great. It was, Incredible. It, was, it wasn't uh, really independent, of course. Uh, uh, we had to lead the horses uh, uh, some of the way because they were grazing all the time and uh, she, was still, she, she wasn't strong enough to handle that. But uh, she rode most of the way. And then the next year, she, she kept on asking me. Uh, she wants to do the trip again, but uh, this time totally independently. <laughs> so, yeah, we just uh, we just uh, packed up and uh, did our little bedrolls and saddlebags and uh, sat on the horses and uh, made a trip in five days. In five days? No, no, tell me, this is, this is bareback? No, this okay. was not bad. Like obviously, we needed to. Uh, oh, pack. I feel better. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no. Bareback is just for the for daily routine. Yeah. When she goes out and rides for fun. Yeah. When you do when we do these long trips, we have to take food and uh, water and uh, a tent and some sleeping bags. So that we have to attach to something which mm-hmm. would be the saddle. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you take uh, the? The cart the next year as well? No, no, no. It was only the two of us, two horses, and nothing else. Just the two of you. Now, there's a bonding trip for father-daughter, eh? Oh, it really was. It really was. I was really proud of her by the end. And uh, obviously, uh, she she grew up a lot. Uh, She grew a lot during uh, during the trip and uh, even matured along the way. It was wonderful to Matured. see. Yeah, a maturing process like no no other little girl would have. That's amazing. And did she help take care of the horses? Oh, definitely. Yeah, each day it was uh, for me. It was uh, quite a shock to see after a day's riding. You know, I'm I'm not that young anymore, and even even the. With that, um, I was ready to just lie down or go to sleep or do some resting while she had the energy to still hang on to the horses, groom them, clean their hooves. Oh, my goodness. Dance around the campfire and everything, right? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Things like that. So she kept on breaking branches and uh, picking grass for them and and, and, uh, just just hanging around them till it got dark. What What does the country look like that you were riding across? Well, most of it was uh, uh, agricultural land. Unfortunately, um, Hungary isn't uh, much different from other countries in that sense. Uh, real natural uh, grassland, uh, the, the steps are found only inside uh, national parks. Mm-hmm. But uh, even this agricultural land is free for riders, which is a huge advantage. Yeah. Mm. So it's allowed to pass through on on the tractor uh, tracks or or beside the plowlands. So you can make your way. We spent a lot of time uh, riding on the beside rivers, just following them, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then when we got to near the festival, the last two days was a was a ride through real uh, untouched natural protected areas, oh, which was which was yeah. beautiful. Yes. So, what's the name of the annual horse event that you go to? Well, in Hungarian, it's called Nyerek uh, Semle. It could be translated something like a saddle buster or the show of saddles. Mm-hmm. And what did you do when you got there? Besides sleep, I suppose, a little bit. But did you, did you? Yeah, well, there were some uh, professional workshops and uh, uh, people uh, introducing their techniques and uh, all sorts of uh, Western and dressage and other uh, competitions. 
And then on the main day, on Saturday, there was a there was a huge process where all the participants, more than I think 400 people on horses, uh, went around in a huge arena, and uh, some politicians made a speech, and uh, the the media was out there, and then the the traditional crown of uh, of the kingdom of Hungary, the ancient one, was presented. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, it was all all uh, dress up and be elegant and uh, stay there. Quite a shock then from being on the trail for for five days. Or it was for me. It was for me. But this event was basically why she wanted to embark on the journey. She really enjoyed it and uh, just uh, riding there with the grown ups and all these other horses and people. Yeah, it was it was it was a huge experience for her. Good. So, can Becca tell us what her horse's name is? What was your horse's name? Mm -hmm. Loud. Come on. Kenda? What is it, Baker? Baker, tell me what her name was. That's Anna there. Oh, you know Anna. (laughs) All right, so we've got... Well, it it was Kenda. Kanda. Well, thank you, Becca, for writing Kanda for us so that we have this wonderful story. So tell me a little bit, um, maybe Sabi can contribute uh, something about the horses. I would love to hear about this. It's a semi-feral kind of Polish conic horse and an Arab cross, a confaco. I, I don't want to even kill that one. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's not easy, but uh, the Hungarian... Um, Language is not the easiest language uh, on earth, but uh, yeah, we pronounce it kumfaku, and uh, we breed the the Polish konik uh, with the Arabians, mm. and uh, it's uh, at, at the moment it's like an, an experimental uh, program, and we are hoping to get like uh, our own breed by uh, 2018. For that, we have to pr- not uh, get uh, 300 mares. Um, wow. All, all, all together in Hungary, and uh, hoping that you know uh, we're gonna succeed with that. <clears throat> um, so it's like a small uh, breed. Um, I don't know in, in hands, but I, I can tell you in centimeters. I, I, I don't it think it's gonna tell you a lot. Though. Go up probably to about fifteen hands high. Yeah. I'd say the highest, but averaging around fourteen, fourteen one mm-hmm. hands high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the main idea was to uh, breed a horse uh, who we could use uh, mostly for trail rides because uh, um, they're really um, sturdy, they're, they're very well built, their, their hooves are uh, uh, really strong, so um, none of us, uh, as far as I know, use uh, shoes for them. Oh, uh, and well, they can go for, you know, for a long way, but still uh, have the, the Arabian blood to make it look nicer and also like a, a, a little bit easier to um, to train them, mm-hmm. which is uh, really um, in a good way, not, uh, not a challenge at all. And I've been working with many of them, like uh, with uh, many uh, coats and fillies as well. Uh, also like, uh, you know, uh, putting the first saddle on, uh, starting uh, um, youngsters and uh, I barely barely had had any you know problems with them at uh, any part of the uh, of the training hmm. so if if you had to compare them to another breed at all it sounds like you're trying to put a little quarter horse sturdiness in them maybe even mustang kind of sturdiness in them but uh but it, the intelligence and the endurance of an arab is that right yeah yeah that, that sounds about right 
Mm-hmm. They sound they sound really cool. So what do you what's the program? It's mostly for trail riding. So uh, the the kind of owner that wants to have a, um, just a recreational. Um, we call them giddy up and go gals here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, we've been discussing the, uh, with this Anna as well, and uh, the, the easiest way would be uh, to describe that uh, it's, it would be the perfect uh, breed to. Um, Breed uh, um, the willing partners, ah, like like Bonnie Roberts' willing partners program. I get it. That's good. Exactly, exactly. Because yeah, as I said, naturally they're, they're very easy going, very easy to train horses. So um, uh, yeah, uh, it's recommended for like uh, children as well. Uh, we have uh, like me and my family own uh, six uh, uh, horses of this breed, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to put like you know uh, anybody on them, even like you know very small children or like uh, people who never never ever ridden a horse. Um, I would trust them like uh, with my life. Wow, that's great. Well, certainly. Based- can ride them. We know that. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, she's got the experience. Well, that's fantastic. She's experience, so, so. Yeah, that's right. She's she's had more wet saddleback blankets than a lot of us. So, um, did did Baker did uh, Baker and Aaron get, end up going to the uh, Monty's uh, event that was just held in Hungary? Did you get to go to the demonstration? Yes, we did. How uh, was it? Tell us. Sabiaranda kindly invited us, and we were happy to join them. Um, I personally enjoyed it a lot. I learned a lot from it. But what was more important for me was uh, to see uh, my daughter, Baker, uh, getting uh, more than I expected from the whole event. Obviously, the the first part, the talking, the, 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 the conference, and even later was for her uh, at times a bit too long. Mm-hmm. She needed to eat and, and, and drink and rest and uh, walk around. But um, I was uh, pleased to see the next day she was uh, trying the same techniques that she, that she saw. I, I, I didn't even know that she, that she noticed or actually paid any attention. It didn't seem to be that way. But uh, now I see her uh, trying to do the join-up techniques and uh, parts, of, parts of the show, which I... Which I, which I saw on our horses here. Ah, uh, that is fantastic. Well, you'll have to send us a little YouTube or something. We'd love to see a little, a little Baker join up. Be- I will. Yeah, I will we, we might be coming round. <laughs> there you go. You guys can film it for me. Thank you. Uh, well, Aaron, I, I wanted to get to a couple of philosophical, um, maybe relational questions about horses and and right. humans. And I, I read a couple of. Of places where you talked a little, you waxed on a little philosophically, and I and I enjoy that part. And saying things like um, the major difference that you saw when you got to get away from the traditional horsemanship was the freedom and respect. What do horses teach your daughter about respect and freedom? Well, I think horses uh, taught her at a very early age that uh, she, well, obviously she had a lot of love towards them, mm-hmm. even as a toddler, uh, it, uh, size didn't really matter. She always wanted to hug every big dog and horse she came upon. <laughs> but, um, but then when she started riding, uh, she, uh, at first, she, I think she imitated 
other grown-ups she she saw riding. And uh, let's be honest, uh, most other grown-ups they 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 ride hard. I mean, if the horse doesn't go, they give it a slap. You know, they spur it on. They are firm. Um, the traditional way. And uh, she started doing that, and uh, she didn't have the strength to uh, make a result. So the horse didn't react or reacted in the wrong way, which was kind of frustrating for her. And um, then she started to apply another approach, which was uh, more like making friends with the horse and uh, just lying on its back and stroking it and trying to ask it to make it go. And I think she she had a, uh, she had more success with this and it made her feel better. I'm not sure what really happened, but I think the horses taught her in a way to, to, to kind of listen to them as well, to, to, to uh, realize that they, are, that they are just another being, just another living being, which uh, uh, just by uh, uh, living uh, deserves respect. Yeah, very good. You know, there's there's a lot of people around the world that will agree with that. Even for, say, the woman who is, you know, 100 pounds dripping wet, who can't do what the traditional horsemen did to at least start horses. We, we have that picture of kind of a violent uh, sacking out and breaking of horses. So what a wonderful thing to learn at four and five, that strength isn't the the way to get respect and, from the horse. Exactly. Yes. Beautiful. Agree. Beautiful. Um, and I couldn't get off without asking you a little bit about your traveling and, and your studying Aboriginal cultures and ancient lifestyles and, and you being just a, a nomad in your life, too. But I'm curious, you know, the old saying that if we don't study history, we're kind of doomed to repeat mistakes, right? So what, what are some of the most interesting things that you learned from the societies that are connected to the horse? Well, most of uh, these societies are um, are nomadic in their lifestyle or in their way of living. Mm-hmm. They 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 do animal husbandry. They live off their animals, and um, basically everything in their life is connected to their to their cattle, sheep, camels, horses, whatever. The unique thing about uh, their horses is that they are the ones which they use the way we use sorry mm-hmm. the way we use um, cars or bikes or tools even so it's just uh, it's just uh, something that uh, is part of the everyday life when they have to solve a problem with their herd or they need to get from A to B or anything else. It's not a, it's not a big deal, to put it simply. Even though um, I wouldn't agree, most often their way of uh, trading horses is harsh. But uh, I'd say that uh, it can be explained by the fact that their life is also harsh. They often uh, struggle to survive, even uh, as humans. They're, they they are often put into by a by a drought or a or a or a larger flood. Their own life gets into danger when obviously human life come before, uh, comes before the animal. Mm-hmm. So um, I wouldn't agree with their way of uh, training animals, but I do agree with the way that they 
uh, approach the whole concept of uh, horse riding and especially how they uh, allow and and promote uh, riding for small kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no helmets, no spurs, no whips, no none of that stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, they do have whips, obviously. Oh, spurs, helmets, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, but mostly um, whips are used to to kind of direct the horse. Okay. And uh, very often you meet an old uh, nomadic herder in Mongolia who says that he doesn't really agree with hitting the horse. If the horse uh, doesn't do what uh, the person wants, then it's the person's fault. Mm. And I couldn't agree more. Mm. But obviously it's uh, uh, often easier to to just use force. And uh, also in their culture, natural horsemanship is uh, not a... Not an accepted method to train horses. Well, that's why we sent Monty over there, I guess, right? <laughs> We're yes, trying. I followed that one. Yeah, they really need, they really need a little of that. Uh, fantastic. Well, you know what? We're glad that, uh, that it's still needed over there because, it, you know, I think there's a carryover message that maybe people won't get from the horses if we didn't have to um, work on learning it all ourselves as well. So True. Um, yeah. Well, thank you all for sharing. This was really fun. Um, I want everybody to know that uh, they should go to your Facebook page and uh, look up the Natural Rider Project. That's it's a beautiful page, and we get to see Becca on there and Aaron. And um, Becca, I guess, is uh, getting into the Western training because I saw something about she wants to create some Western cutting horses, perhaps with the cattle on that photo I saw. Is that right? <laughs> Yes, we were we were watching some uh, videos about uh, herding cattle and uh, how the whole uh, cutting horses and the technique they use. And she also saw them uh, uh, live uh, working last year at this uh, festival where there was a presentation. Even I was really impressed about what these horses can do and will do, uh, often without direct rider input. And uh, she somehow remembered and then asked me about it, and we watched some videos, and then she decided that she'll 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 train these horses we are riding on right now <laughs> to become uh, cutting horses. All well, right. on her level, uh, I I think that's a, that's a, that's a great thing. Uh, I, some, I, I, know, see a, uh, I see a business wrapping up between Anna and Sabi <laughs> and <laughs> Becca now with these horses. Okay, just you know a, a little polishing off some of those with the high energy. She <laughs> might start being our starter rider. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Who needs those little dummy riders? You've got Becca. Exactly. <laughs> she stays on. Yeah, yeah that's have to try her on. <laughs> exactly. Not at all. Uh, well, this is really fun, you guys. And I'm, I'm so glad you stayed up for us and that we got a little picture into your world, um, which is pretty darn exciting for, for all of us who are in the old traditional world, just wishing we could get on a horse and go somewhere for five days. That would be fantastic. And I would love to meet Becca. So maybe if you guys are ever out here in California, since you're nomads, you might, you might end up out here. And we would love to put Becca on um, 
chrome. Monty's nice chrome is Western oh, rain. Nice. In fact, if you go to Instagram right now, we would just put up a little video. It's just 20 seconds long of, of dad going back and forth on chrome in front of a flag. It's a nice way to teach horses um, without having cattle um, in your in your backyard to, uh, to they will habituate to chase things, which is really, it's just amazing out of a, a flight animal. So have Becca look at that a little bit. And we'd love to have you all back soon to hear about the progress. Would that be something we could do? Definitely. Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously yeah. for us, we're here. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> Who knows where they'll next be, which country, and, um, you know, anybody that hears their story and thinks, wow, that's pretty cool and wants to invite them over, um, you know, who knows where they'll end up. So, um, but we're certainly not going anywhere. That's (laughs) right. And you can find uh, Sabi and Anna at, we've got two different websites for you, right? We've got www.discoverequus.co.uk. Discover Equus is D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R-E-Q-U-U-S. Dot co dot uk and then sabi's is www dot uh oh you better spell that starts it's s z a b o l c s p i n t e r at what is the at I can't read it on uh, here so. dot com dot com yeah oh it's dot com okay that's the easy part <laughs> fantastic well we'll have it all in the show notes so if anybody wants to go to horsemanshipradio.com they can click right on those links and get right back to you guys and uh, maybe this will excite some people to take an exotic trip that they never knew they were going to take before yeah exactly come to Hungary and learn you know learn about the culture because like I said I've been well I've been living here for a month but been going back and forth for the last year and I mean, I'm I'm learning so much, you know, so much. It's a completely different style, and it's amazing. And you know, seeing what everybody's getting up to um, that we really have no idea about, um, it's pretty incredible. And I think Monty coming back from the demonstration, where I believe it was 200 people, mm. um, you know, that all share this passion that we have. Um, it could really go somewhere. So it's very exciting. And, um, you know, to see Baker at that age with what she's achieving, um, it's pretty incredible. And it's exciting to think where she'll be in another 15 years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, you guys offering courses over there, too? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're currently in the process of um, building our house. But next week, we've actually, uh, next weekend, is it the 21st? The 21st, 22nd, 22nd, we've got, um, we're doing a join up course, just a sort of taster, where we've actually got 10 students, um, (laughs) which was a little more than we were expecting, (laughs) but that's great. Um, And we are currently building fences. So hopefully within the next two weeks, we will be set up to have horses with us, which will be perfect. That's fantastic you guys what an adventure how fun yeah well we will catch up with you soon i appreciate you all joining us on horsemanship radio thank you thank you thank you debbie have a good night yep good night we all hear about omega-3 and how important it is for your horse's nutrition but why 
Well, simply put, horses were created to get all of their nutrition from live natural grasses. Omega-3 is an essential fat found in many types of live grasses, and it's critical to the horse's health. If they were living on live grasses 24-7, they would be receiving enough omega-3. But in today's world, most horses are fed commercial feed and forage as their primary nutrition, and most of these are lacking in omega-3. That's where Omega Fields comes in. All of Omega Fields' flax-based products provide a balanced essential profile of Omega-369 and may be helpful in alleviating problems related to skin, coat, hoof, joint, and sand colic. One of Omega Fields' terrific products is Omega Horse Shine. Omega Horse Shine is an Omega-3 stabilized ground flaxseed supplement for horses to help maintain a shiny, healthy coat, strong, solid hooves, and top performance for horses in all life stages. Omega Fields provides the best human-grade, non-GMO ground flax that can help horses with dry, scaly, itchy skin, joint pain and inflammation, poor hoof growth, allergies, and more. Don't just listen to Debbie and I. Alexandra, a customer of Omega Field, says any horse I ever own, I will feed them Omega Horse Shine and I will recommend it to anyone. You can get your Omega Horse Shine today at omegafields.com or just for our listeners, get 15% off using the coupon code MONTY2015. All one word, it's MONTY2015 for 15% off your next order at omegafields.com. That's omegafields.com. Tessa Haran first read Monty's book, Shy Boy, at the age of 10 and rode from a very young age. Her grandfather was an avid fox hunter, and she grew up loving horses. While completing her bachelor's degree, Tessa learned to play polo and competed as part of her university's national team. Her focus then shifted to classical equitation and dressage. She trained intensively with classical seat expert Heather Moffat and gained her enlightened equitation teaching qualifications. Tessa is currently exploring and developing the path Ways between Monty Roberts' methods and classical dressage training through the nonviolent communication system. She has a dual UK and US national citizenship, so she enjoys traveling to learn from other instructors worldwide before gaining her certification that she gained in 2014. She is the 10th instructor in the UK. Well, welcome, Tessa Haran. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Are, you, are we calling you in England now? Yeah, you are, actually. It's really nice to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad you could be. And it's it's into your evening now, so thank you again for agreeing to be into your evening. No, that's no problem. I've um, followed the show for, for a while now, so it's a huge honor to be invited to do it. You've had some big names on the show, so it's really... Uh, it's really sweet of you to extend it to small fry like me. <laughs> oh, you're not at all. As I always tell everybody, you're a Monty Roberts certified instructor. And to me, that puts you in the elite category. I always have. And I think, you know, everybody who listens to the show, they wait for the certified instructors to come on because you guys are full of the information we really need. You know, where mm. you're not, you're uh, not just the celebrities. You uh, actually have the hands-on horsemanship every day. Like I bet you work today. What'd you do today? So oh, today, oh gosh, um, well, there was some work, oh, I've got to run back over all of it now, um, <laughs> some work with uh, one of my little client liveries um, who is learning to accept his first saddle and rider mm-hmm. and uh, some hacking out. We've had beautiful, beautiful sunshine with my own horses. Um mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and just um, catching up with everything. We're kind of in between uh, courses at the moment, so we're kind of decompressing after the first one and taking on board all the lovely feedback and pointers that people made and gearing up for the next one. So um, it's it's sort of all systems go, but in a relaxed fashion. Um, I'm not so good in the heat, so just uh, in the, the horses are kind of thrown for six by that. So we're just taking it at their pace, really. Oh, but that's um, yeah, that's lots fun. of lots of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, you do. You always do, and I'm glad to see how active you are and how many people are getting through your livery and through your your equestrian center. There, you're gonna you're in a little small acreage there that's so beautiful and a pretty part. Tell us that part of England that you're in. It's uh, well, it, it is really tiny. It's called um, West Humble. It's uh, it's in a place called Ranmore, um, which the closest town, um, if anybody wanted to Google that from abroad, is um, is Dorking, um, and that's in Surrey. So we're really kind of um, home county is easy to get to uh, from London, and um, a really dense um, network of horse people in the in the area. So. A lot of um, interest from people, you know, in terms of courses and wanting help with their horses and that side of things is really sort of snowballing. But um, in general, it's just nice having this sort of network of people that uh, you can you can connect with. And it's, it's a really old-fashioned sort of community. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's nice. So it's really nice to be able to bring Monty's work into that and just open up another avenue for all those people. Yeah, it is. And and I was fortunate enough to come visit close to there. Um, and we all got together for that conference in March. And it was fun to see you all. And I wanted to follow up a little bit about um, what Heather uh, had talked about from Enlightened Equitation. And Heather Moffat and you yeah. and Monty. And um, one of the things I wanted to share with people today is your... Um, you have such an experience with Enlightened or- uh, Equitation and the methods of riding. You actually did one of the demonstrations. You rode for us in March. And it was yeah. really, yeah, that was so interesting to hear <laughs> the, the theory first. And then we got to see you out on, on the horse. Talk to us a little bit about what you were accomplishing that day and that method. Uh, well, um, personally, my only agenda really was for my horses. Um, I, you know, I'm planning on sort of taking them out, and uh, I don't know if we're going to start competing or if we do some shows or just local stuff. But the experience for them was kind of my main motivation. But really, um, the support for um, enlightened equitation and the methods that Heather teaches, I have is is just huge. Um, I found Heather uh, essentially through Kelly Marks. I know that she had been down to her, I think, when she had Harry. um, And I had sort of thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm searching for something in the riding instruction vein of things. And if she's good enough for Kelly Marks, I'll give it a go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went for the teacher training course and then ended up sort of going back and staying for six months as a working student. So really got bit by the bug and in the same way that when I first did my introductory with uh, Monty's courses and I sort of thought, yeah, absolutely, this makes total sense. Um, I felt that same way about what we teach with the riding. So I was really just there with 
my horse is providing a platform for people to see what we're doing and see the the development and sort of bring together the two um, and, and just really show how well they work together because I think it's fascinating. Yeah, so I love really, that. Yeah, tell, yeah. Us, tell us, define for us what you think is the, the complementary methods between Monty, I, mean, I think you're kind of implying a lot of groundwork, but then Heather's mm. in the ridden work. What are the complements? Well, the main thing actually, um, David, I think is what goes across both of them and it is um, something that I had, you know, instructors and that I say to my students at the, at the moment is that about learning to read the horse. Mm. And the way that Heather would describe that is is developing feel. So the same way that on the ground we, you know, learn to read is the horse a little, you know, a little stressed or spooky or totally comfortable with it. And what are the markers that you look for um, in the saddle? You're you're feeling those things because you're you're essentially very connected to the horse. And um, also with Heather's um, range with the uh, Heather Moffat range with the saddles and things, you know, it allows you to feel all the horse's movements, you know, without causing any pressure to the horse's back. So you really, every movement of the rider influences the horse where you put your weight and the the subtle sort of aids that that you can use that when I've, you know, taught a class full of six girls at the pony club camp, they've not been able to believe that these riding school, you know, they would traditionally call them kick-alongs, would (laughs) respond to these really subtle aids, but they all would. And it just, I think the thing for me is how it follows on so directly, so, so, so naturally from what we do with, say, the starters, you know, mm. right the way through and just not creating those those ridden problems and, okay. and actually helping to rehabilitate them as well. Oh, that's good. So it's a willingness versus a force. Those are complementary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell, me about, yeah. tell me about how a rider blocks or maybe doesn't block a horse's movement in the saddle. Well, okay, there's quite a few um, ways that that can happen. Um I think one of the huge factors is is saddle fit, um, mm. and that can obviously, you know, if your saddle's too tight, for example, that's sort of, you know, quite an obvious one that we would often see. Um, another one is the something that Heather talked about that was the position, mm. um, and the position that you're put in in the saddle, and if you're not able to be in alignment, um, you know, across all disciplines, then you're aids effectually are, you know, are ineffectual, um, effectively ineffectual, sorry, I got yeah. lost there. Um, so y- you end up feeling like you have to do a lot more, um, you know, which is why I think people end up thinking this horse is lazy, I'm, you know, I need to kick. Whereas actually if you have your leg in the right place and you can generate that impulsion through a small you know a couple of exercises and really create that willingness you don't end up having to at all and that's really when you could say that those aids look invisible like you'd see with Mm -hmm. the top level riders and I think you know that's that's what I'm looking for and most of the people that I teach would like to get there Um, and you know that it's just it's an overall picture of something that's really nice to watch but also it, you know, it, it's it's the harmony that you're really seeing. Yeah, I think, is that's the thing. it. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that word too. I I agree with you. It says it all, doesn't it? But then there's also the horse that um, can have an explosion or a confusion, a confusion maybe too. Um, So tell us about that. What do you do to bring the adrenaline down in those cases? Yeah, well, it's it's very similar with what we're doing um, on the ground. For example, if you go into the round pen and you do join up, you'd think about your um, you'd think about your breathing and you'd think about your eye movements and you'd think about your heart rate and how you could deliberately slow that to have that effect on the horse. And so if you feel a horse when you're actually riding getting a little bit up on adrenaline, then, you know, the first yeah. step is for the rider to be able to, to feel that and to recognize that. And um, quite often um, with the EE work, we use a lot of um, lateral work for things like the shoulder in, which Nuno Oliveira called the aspirin of the work, um, (laughs) to kind of use the horse's natural distractibility and essentially give him him a job so his attention is diverted from, oh, I need to be worried about that monster in the bush over there. (laughs) (laughs) So it tends to have a calming effect. Um, the other thing is the re- with the reverse, obviously, of generating impulsion, you know, you would do things like um, lots of transitions and a lot of rain back to, to forward um, to kind of create that impulsion. So if you're looking at calming a horse down, it's it's basically the, the opposite of that. And knowing when to quit, I think, is a huge thing as well, knowing mm-hmm. when to kind of up and do another exercise if they're getting a little worked up. So mm-hmm. it's really, it opens a lot of doors for people in terms of overall horsemanship because you're learning to feel more than anything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, good. And and they have to, the riders needing to learn to bring their adrenaline down too to even to be yeah, in tune, absolutely. to be in tune with the horse first. How do you teach yeah. that? What, what Do you deal with some of that in, in riders? Yeah, I do. I, I have a lot of um, teaching clients who are exceptionally well-meaning and, you know, by their own admission, have a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, or the horse also has a lack of confidence, and sometimes both. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes so, one, know, one begets uh, the winning, other, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a winning combination. But um, I think the, the first thing is that these people have um, have admitted that and have sought help which is a huge step for somebody to to do and I know over there in the states you've you've got a lot more of a a culture of kind of seeking self-help um whereas I think us Brits tend to be a little bit more kind of keep calm and carry on and don't tell anybody (laughs) (laughs) until it bubbles over so it's a the first step is really just recognizing and appreciating that these people have have come to you and Quite often, you know, I'm a, a lot younger than them, so so kind of giving instruction without, you know, domineering somebody, and and um, you've also got to generate the willingness in the student to like what you're delivering and how you deliver it. So some of the techniques that we that we used in the classroom over at Monty's really helped with that. But um, in terms of yeah, in terms of confidence and things, um, I think. A lot of the time when they realize that something as small as, say, advancing your inside hip can turn the horse and you don't need to yank on the reins will have a massive effect or 
you know, also the fact that you can just stop by closing the seat, which is essentially like squeezing your bottom. Um, and it stops the movement because you've got the, the two sides of the horse's back with those parallel muscles, the latissimus dorsi, that you're sitting on and you're directly in, you know, in contact up there. So if you block that movement, the horse will stop. So then there's no need to pull. And for me, you know, it's not magic at all, but it feels like magic every time. <laughs> it's a so, cool way to describe it, though, because I think this is where people start to build confidence is just with a little bit of knowledge incrementally. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, not, you know, not flooding them with everything all at once, yeah. which I might have possibly been slightly guilty of in the early days. Well, it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, you're just bubbling over with excitement and you want everybody to be amazing and everything. But um, knowing how to, you know, how to read people has really been a uh, bigger journey. Um, The horses kind of make sense and then that part's filling in. (laughs) But they give great feedback and they really help. So generally, if you just listen, they're they're really good resources. They're a lovely bunch. Yeah, I was reading, too, that one of the uh, original mistakes, one of the biggies, is having reins too short and keeping everything Mm -hmm. just too much. Where do you fall in that? I think in terms of what I'm looking for for my horses, um, the mouth of a horse is a place where it's very difficult to, if you've had a very strong action in there, you can build up um, scar tissue, obviously, in the mouth. So you can actually develop in a horse what's, you know, what's known as a hard mouth. So in terms of being able to recuperate that, you you know, starting right from the beginning is, is pretty is pretty key. So, for example, with my, it, you know, it's not impossible. Some horses that lean or pull can, you know, can learn a bit more lightness and things. Mm-hmm. But really what I would be seeking with with every horse and I think that they have the potential for is to realize that they can move away from that that pressure of of the leg just a very subtle touch that means something in in one area you know for example with the leg yield or something in another area for say lead changes and things Mm -hmm. like that Um, but so equally with your rein pressure you're seeking to in the same way that with the groundwork we desensitize to spooky objects, I think that with you know with the horse's mouth and in terms of lightness and their carriage, you're seeking to sensitize. So it's 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 that essentially, and going off something lighter and lighter until you have this picture where the horse literally is carrying themselves, mm-hmm. and that that's the top of the pinnacle really for me so. yeah. yeah of course no and you do a beautiful job I've seen you on Iberia oh thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah it's I'm really fun I'm still a student as well so. yeah well aren't we all I think one one of dad's favorite sayings is he's never going to stop learning and um, yeah. That we, yeah, we keep learning new things. So we are going to have on this episode uh, a, a very young girl, five years old, from Hungary. And uh, we know that she oh, knows wow. a lot more than a lot of five-year-olds at that age. But imagine her 25, 30 years. She just went to uh, Mani's Hungarian demonstration over there and it went out very next day and started practicing join-ups. So very cute. Um, and, you know, she just where the, she's starting is going to be so much fun to see how she carries on. And um, 
you know, it's just, it's exciting to know the horse's language, I think. And I think that's what we want to share so much. Yeah. Yeah. And you, we have, we have uh, mutual friends in the Featherstones, and I think they're going to be out one, to one of your courses this summer, Don and Sophia Featherstone. Tell us a little bit about what you teach in that intro course, because your Facebook page is so much fun with all the contraptions <laughs> you have out there, the tarps and the bags and the whole thing. Tell us. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the intro, I mean, that, that is the, the, the full-on, that's the, the foundation, really, that sort of we offer the modules sort of broken up for people who can't attend it, but really the the two weeks um, is the the full whammy. That's the you know join up and long lining and the dually halter work and you do a psychology project and it's just really exciting. Um, and if I could do it again, I would do it again. <laughs> um, I sort of. I I knew, I think, on my second day that I wanted to take it all the way through and become an instructor. Um, It just shows you how good my instructor was who taught me. Yeah, that's great. And, yeah, and it's just, I just want um, to give other people that opportunity to kind of, you know, to feel that and to really get get in touch with their horsemanship. And I think that, you know, it's, it's just learning to read the horse and what is appropriate in what situation and you know being being fair to the horse so things like your consistency and so those are things that we've we've kind of been talking about um i used to be on the same livery as um don featherstone i actually met uh, both of them he and sophia i've met his wife kathy since who's basically mm-hmm. the, the dog whisperer she's incredible she is you're, you're right yeah. the greyhounds she's amazing yeah, and um, th- so Don and Sophia kept uh, their horses. Um, Gladiator, who's Hollywood Gladiator, the uh, one of Monty's willing partners, and uh, Sophia at the time had Susie, and she's now gone to a competition home, so she has Barry as well. And I, I can't actually remember his his show name. I think it's King Barry. Or yeah, that's right. Um, it was very exotic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I kind of um, came in and and helped Don uh, refining and in, in sort of taking the the willing partners, you know, to the to their new sort of home in the in the UK, kind of bringing the education on a little bit as well, and just continuing that sort of a bit of a refresher course, and you know, bringing them up to speed and. Um, since then, because Gladiator is just a fantastic, he has the, the temperament to die for. So um, kind of since then, we've been focusing more on the horsemanship side of things. And um, I've actually in, been teaching them, you know, a little bit with riding and long lining as well. So um, oh, just kind of the ball, getting the ball rolling and um, soaking the fire. And so it's it's been brilliant to kind of, carry on and do that and have that link um back with the willing partners and things as well so because they're a lovely family (laughs) Uh, they are and and blessed to have you too that's that's fantastic really fun well we get to see more this summer and so people can find you at your i have the equestrian.com so www.theequestrian.com that'll be in the show notes too so people can click on that link that's how they find you best i guess (laughs) Yeah, yeah. are you on Facebook too, Tessa? Yeah, I see you on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, 
Yeah, I am. If you if you just type in T T H equestrian, um, it's sort of a short version of it. Then it'll probably pop up um, somewhere with one of my uh, annoying updates about how wonderful I think horses are. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so that'll be in there. Uh, be prepared for lots of photos. <laughs> I know. No, you're good at that. I wish everybody uh, was. Cause, uh, you know, that's the, the visual is all we need. I don't need any words. That's all I need. I fabulous. Just... You can come and stay. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Well, have a great summer. We'd love to come catch up with you at the end of summer and see how things are going and see what courses you have coming up. But thanks for yeah, a little definitely. bit of insights. Yeah, thanks for the insights since you're you're, um, you've really lived in both those worlds, the, on top of the saddle and as a Monty Roberts instructor of all the concepts. So thanks again for sharing. Oh, no, that's brilliant. Thank you. It's been really fun. <laughs> Good. All right. Good night. All right. Thanks. thanks Tessa. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, how do you cure a herd-bound horse? I have a horse that is so bonded to two other individuals that I can't take him away from them. I can't ride him to other locations, nor can I even put him on a trailer to transport him. He goes crazy. Monty's answer. When I was gathering the material for this book, it became apparent to me that separation anxiety was a far greater remedial problem than I ever imagined. I would estimate that variations on this question have come to me more than 500 times in the past two or three years alone. Horses are herd animals. Some horses are in more deep need of constant company than others. The horse that is perfectly happy while solo is rare. In the case of your horse, it seems that there is an intense desire to be in an environment with a companion. If your horse panics when his buddy horses leave the property without him, he is a herdbound horse subject to separation anxiety and needs to be debonded. A horse that goes crazy when its companions are away is a danger to itself, others, and property. Separating your horses from one another gives them the opportunity to learn they can survive by themselves. If you have a small property and separation is not possible in your circumstances, you have other options. Join up is an effective way to cause your horse to want to be with you. This, in effect, is part of the debonding process. When your horse is comfortable in your presence, he is less likely to be stressed in the absence of other horses. In rare cases, I have seen horses change dramatically after nothing more than a good join-up. It seems that this procedure tends to say to them that they're safe. Spending quality time with your horse is part of the answer to this ever-increasing problem called separation anxiety. Once a good join-up has been accomplished and your horse is completely at ease with you, then you can bring into play another aspect to solving this problem. Borrow a friend's horse. Agree with a friend that you will trade animals for a short period of time, during which you will take care of their horse while they take care of yours. Another thing you can do is let your horse spend some time in a different location. Simply shift your horse around for a while. The deep bonding process will not take long. 
Once it has been accomplished, make use of the horse's new attitude by periodically introducing various new individuals into his life so that he accepts this kind of change rather than feeling a constant need to have specific horses around him and going ballistic when they aren't there. A good horse person should realize that overly bonded horses that are subject to separation anxiety create a danger to themselves and those who work with them. We should also realize that it is far more difficult to enjoy a relationship with a horse that is herd-bound than with one that is comfortable about being removed from his friends wherever you choose. One must realize and accept the fact that a time commitment, probably quite a substantial one, is going to be necessary in dealing with a horse such as yours. I enjoy these types of challenges, but I guess it's only fair to tell you that I have been accused many times of being maniacal in my desire to understand better the workings of the equine mind. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider, it doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online too, on our forum, and there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. In July 17 through 21, there's a Monty special training with translation in Portuguese. And then August 1 through 5, there's a Monty special training at Flag is Up Farms, the classic one that everybody attends every year. Like, people are coming back to it. It's really fun. And August 22 through September 2 is the Gentling Wild Horses course. It's our second annual now, the one that Jamie Jennings attended last year. And uh, we have a lot of fun people signed up and lined up for this year's too. And then September 9, we have Horse Sense for Leaders. That's a Friday. And then that weekend, September 10 and 11, we have Wild at Heart with Pat Roberts and Monty. And then we have September 24th through 25, A Riding with Respect has just been added to the calendar. Those fill fast. Those are really fun. I have a quick question. Yeah. For the Gentling Wild Horses course, Mm -hmm. where do the Mustangs come from? Well, last year they came from Northern Cal at a at a uh, one of the BLM a holding uh, facility. Mm-hmm, a holding facility there. One of them out of three had actually been uh, born out on the range, though, and was brought into the holding pens. Two of them had been born in captivity in the holding pens. There was there was quite a bit of difference, really, in the flight mechanism. <laughs> they were all wild, but yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> they were all wild. So but, do. Yeah. do- uh, members of the Monty Roberts team go up and pick them out, or do you, do you just call them up and say, "Hey, deliver us four horses"? Oh, that'd be nice. No, <laughs> we had to go get them. Uh, yeah, Dad went up with um, I don't know four or five different certified instructors just for the fun of it. They were there actually for a conference as well, um, and it's it's quite an experience. Very cool seeing these guys, very stealth, wonderful horsemen that work those pins up there who can. Uh, peel off, you know, one of those wild Mustangs and put them in one pen and separate another one. Cause you really don't to get, to get in there with the horses at all. You really have to be outside the pens and point and, you know, they're all bays. So, you know, that bay, no, not that bay, that bay. Over there. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all the just third super bay cute. From the left, please. Yes. I got I it. Yeah. 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 So he and can basically all- go up there and look in the pen 
mm-hmm. and say, I want this one, this one, and this one, and then they can, can put them through the chutes into the trailer? Yeah, then they eventually just put them through the chutes. Once you get them, you can narrow them down to, so that you can see them side by side and let them move around a little bit in the pen. But it's it's pretty much, you know, um, as is when they, when they oh, get yes, on the trailer. Very much so. Very in fact, we have this great little shot about them uh, coming off the trailer once we were parked uh, on the farm and uh, just letting them out in a chute. And and Dad's saying, you know, kind of back up now. I don't know which end up they're going to come when, when we pull back. And when you know, the I have my video camera running, and the first shot is just a foot going kick out the back. Oh, wow. Just a head or a nose or anything. It was just a back. But <laughs> he came out guns a blazing. Oh, I'm telling you, yeah. And he said, "See, I tell you, because some of these European instructors, they've never seen wild horses. You know, really to see wild horses is is quite the thing these days. Everybody is born in domesticity these days, so it's it's quite fun. Oh, that's so cool. Well, for anybody out there who wants to participate in any of these clinics coming up at Flag Is Up Farms and elsewhere, you can find all the information you need at Monty Roberts' website, which is montyroberts.com. Or you can talk to somebody knowledgeable and friendly right there at Flag is Up Farms by calling 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com where there are links to our guests, photos, and more information. And we love your feedback. We love your questions. Follow us on Facebook by going to Facebook and searching Monty Roberts and Monty Roberts Tweets. That's right. He's on Twitter. So you can find him on Twitter at Monty underscore Roberts and go get the app today. It's good for iPhone or Android, or you can subscribe via iTunes. And many thanks to our sponsors too. We've got Omega Fields and IFA.com and Monty's Equus Online University. Be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. <laughs>